powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a massive thank you to my last guest, Kendra Erica. What a great guest, and her episode was very popular. If you have not heard our very in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 226, and we have a good episode lined up for you today. We are on the show Alexander Randazzo. Now, Alexander is a screenwriter and actor. He is also the founder of the film company Military Movies. He has a brand new film dropping on February the 6th, 2024 on video on demand called Lonesome Soldier, which chronicles the story of a U.S. soldier and his struggles to reintegrate and conquer the demons of combat-related trauma and substance abuse. It is a powerful film, and it comes with my highest recommendation. Alexander is a great guest, and we had a great conversation, so please enjoy. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling in today from the great state of North Carolina, Alexander Randazzo. <laughs> Alexander, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today? The weather today is quite cold. I'm down in North Carolina. We got a cold front coming in, but uh, I really appreciate you having me today. Excellent. Excellent. So with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? That is a great place to start. We actually were three days away from filming when we were shut down because of the pandemic back when it first started. And it has been quite an experience navigating it. We we obviously there were many different rules and regulations in the film business that we had to navigate in order to shoot the film from vaccines to testings and all sorts of different rules and regulations, like I said. So it's been quite an experience. It has been quite an experience. It uh, basically moved everything that we would do in person in Los Angeles to be able to do everything from anywhere in the world via Zoom or um, video chats. And so that part I enjoy sitting at home on the couch, being able to work from home, but uh, some of the more in-person intimate types of things that one does when they work on film. Unfortunately, we've had to navigate some of those and we've lost some of the that intimacy in the process. Fair enough. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Absolutely. I was born in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Uh, I don't remember what it was like to grow up to grow up there because we moved when I was eight weeks old to Annapolis, Maryland, uh, where my father was the head hockey coach of the Naval Academy. From there, 
we bounced around a little bit until we started what uh, we call the 50 state, 50 city tour. And from the age of 12 to 16, we went to 10 states uh, a year and we did hockey clinics and camps in all 50 states. And so that was quite an experience. And then from there, I moved to Los Angeles to, to start working on film. Okay. So what were your earliest career aspirations? I wanted to play in the NHL and I wanted to make movies. And one of those I was able to accomplish, the other I did not. <laughs> nice, nice. So what brought you to the New York Film Academy? So I was looking, I actually was pursuing playing minor pro hockey and some injuries sidelined me. And I was looking to get into the acting world. And that was one of the, the first uh, areas that I was able to kind of dip my feet in. And I was there for a little while and really, really learned a lot and then decided that uh, I was ready to kind of go full out and sell everything and move to move to Los Angeles. Okay. So what are your favorite memories from Liberty University? Liberty, Liberty University. I remember um, graduation day, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn spoke and, really? and they both spoke at graduation and I wasn't allowed in the VIP room because I was just a graduate. So after the graduation ended, I took off my gown, was wearing a suit underneath and used my acting skills and just walked right into the VIP room to, to try to meet Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Unfortunately, they had already left by the time I was able to sneak in. But uh, that definitely was one of my my favorite memories there. Nice, nice, nice. Now, you come from a rich military family background. Has this influenced your writing and your approach to filmmaking? It has. It has. It was, uh, I grew up, my father being a West, he was a West Point graduate, then an Army Ranger, and then, like I said earlier, the head hockey coach at the Naval Academy. So a lot of military involved. And then my both my grandparents, both my grandfathers were also in the military. And so I grew up in a very, very regimented, disciplined, schedule-oriented, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, um, environment. And that really, I attribute that to a lot of who I am today. Uh, if I, you can't uh, operate in, in this industry or really, I don't think in any industry without serious self-discipline. And that was definitely one of the traits that I, that my father passed on to me, um, that I am forever grateful for. Did he ever give you any kind of encouragement to join the armed forces? Yes, actually, he we he had me take four years of Arabic in high school because he wanted me to go into the CIA. <laughs> I prefer to make movies about that <laughs> these days. But yes, it uh, it definitely is something that my gifts and talents were not, unfortunately, the same as his. So instead of going into it, uh, he is he since realizing that and he and I had a conversation about that when I was a few years back. I've used my used my talents to tell stories about the armed forces. Okay, fair enough. Which leads to my next question. You know, what led you to found military movies? So military movies, I I started working on Lonesome Soldier, and through working on that process and talking with many different um, veterans and active duty servicemen and women, I I found a reoccurring theme that. A lot of the films coming out of Hollywood, while very entertaining, were not very authentic. And something near and dear to my heart is that word authenticity. 
And so I already having the rights to Lonesome Soldier when when Military Movies was founded, I, I really just decided to bring together um, a group of both uh, veteran West Point graduates and military veterans who were passionate about film, as well as Holly about as well as successful Hollywood producers. And that's where we formed military movies to really tell authentic character driven stories about and for our military and veteran communities. Okay, fair enough. So we're here to talk about the film you wrote and star in Lonesome Soldier. I have seen it. It's a powerful piece of cinema, very well made. What inspired you to write the adaptation of the book, Lonesome Soldier, The Long Road Home? I received a text message of a screenshot of a Facebook post. And I'll say that again, it was a text message from my mom of a screenshot of a Facebook post from Linda Lee down in Tennessee, who wrote the book, Lonesome Soldier, The Long Road Home. And this was probably seven or eight years ago. And the post stated that she was looking to turn her son's story that she had written a book about into a film. And I reached out being a young man and, um, and full of life and energy and dreams and passion and said, I'll do it. And started talking with her and working with her and her son and the rest of their family um, from, for about two or three years before we finally really decided to go for it and really write and adapt this script into the book. But it really was due to falling in love with the story and the ups and downs and really honoring Jackson's story and and in the film his mother's name is Teresa but in real life her name is Linda like I said telling Linda and Jackson's story because it, I really grew very close to them and really viewed them as family and the story just is a story that needs to be told and isn't told um isn't told nearly enough okay at what point did you decide that you were going to play the title role of Jackson that that just kind of came out. It just kind of happened naturally, I guess. There was there was very little talk about who would play the lead role um, when we first started writing, and then as it continued to develop, it my passion and skills. I, I like to say I started writing because I wasn't getting acting gigs because as one of 10 million other people, actors who aspiring actors who go to Los Angeles. Um, there's very few jobs and there's a lot of people who want those jobs. And so I started living vicariously as an actor through my writing, acting out in my office, what I would write down. And then it just kind of clicked one day that, that this role, I was going to go for it. Okay. How much physical training did you undergo to take this role? Ooh, I, I ended up doing quite a lot, quite a lot of physical training. My father growing up made sure that we always knew how to handle weapons very well. We knew how to, we went to military summer camps. And so I grew up in that environment playing, you know, paintball outside, but that's a little different than the actual physical training of, of working out or eating right, or, you know, really kind of getting your body to look like, because um, there's a part of the film where he's returned and he's going through the depths of his PTSD, as as you saw. And so for preparing for that, I went 21 days without eating um, and working out in the boxing gym every day. And then we had 
almost we had a military boot camp before the military scenes where we had a couple of veterans come out and run us through two or three days of of kind of how to march right how to hold the, the your weapon your firearm properly uh how to do a proper military push-up so there was different training physical training elements for different um parts of the film okay for my listeners who are not familiar with the process Tell them how hard it has been getting this project off the ground. Give them a really good s scope and scale of just how hard it's been to get Lonesome Soldier made. Uh, sure, sure. Going down memory lane on this one. I uh, We started we started really the, the Hollywood process seven years ago where we, we had a script and we brought on a, an Academy-nominated writer, Lionel Chetwin, who polished the polished the screenplay that I had written. And then he and I then did a secondary pass together uh, after he did the polish, where a polish is basically for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you bring in a second writer and their opinion and they, they touch up lines or they come up with some ideas. You can cut this or maybe add that, combine these things. So that takes a couple of months. And then we started looking for our director and we started looking for our cast. Now this was all in 2019 pre COVID. And while we're doing that, we were fundraising. I, there were guys on the team, producers on the team working on fundraising and everything had all come together in that spring of 2020 when COVID unfortunately shut us down. And we had to spend pretty much most, if not all of the financing that we had raised on making sure people got home safely, making sure we shut everything down, making sure we got all the equipment returned because we didn't know if it was the end of the world or if this thing was going to last just a couple of weeks. So after that process, we went into kind of a rebuilding process where we spent about a year and a half having to rework the script again, because now we were going to be on a much smaller budget than we originally intended. And that reworking and refinding and recasting and recruiting up and finding um, the different pieces of the puzzle again took about another year and a half until we were finally able to go back in and uh, shoot the film in spring of 22. Okay. How did you meet the director, Nino Aldi? Nino, Nino, uh, he's, a, he's a young man. I met Nino... He's a he's a great he was a fantastic director. I met him by happenstance. Uh, I was in Los Angeles. We were interviewing directors. We had a short list of five. This was post COVID and or post the COVID outbreak. Obviously, COVID was still going on at the time. And I received a phone call from a friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in a couple of years, just calling to check in. And I explained to him I was in town interviewing directors. And he goes, I got the guy for you. And about 30 minutes later, my phone rings and it's this guy, Nino Aldi. And he goes, I haven't read your script yet, but here's my resume. Boom, boom, boom. He'd worked on some pretty big things from directing himself to first assistant directing, which is usually a very, very respectful, high quality position right under the director. So, and he had first AD'd for quite a few, quite a few uh, very successful name, name directors. And he had produced a lot as well. And he said, I'm your guy, as long as I like your script. He read the script. About 48 hours later, we met. And we shook hands after about an hour meeting. And that was that was it. We were, go we were going into the trenches together after that moment. 
Okay, Devon Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Alexander Randazzo. Make sure you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Cluzo style. Pay attention to a few friends of my show and we will be right back. Hello, Duval Nation. Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duvall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. We're Sam's Army in the Gates all here. This is Chad from The Shame. We're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find our stuff at theshameshop.com or listen to it on almost all the streaming services. We'll see you down the pub. Cheers. This is William Yeski, author of the book, Damn the Valley. I invite you to take a journey into a combat deployment that I was on during 2010 while serving with the men of the 82nd Airborne Division. On that deployment, we suffered a 52% casualty rate and filled the wards at Walter Reed with soldiers that had been serving within the heavy conflict that was happening within the Argonaut River Valley. The stories contained within the book are all true and even verified by not only DOD sources, but the men that were there on the ground fighting. I should know I was one of them. It was not an easy task to write, but one that paints a vivid picture for the reader and a picture the reader won't soon forget. Pick up a copy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, or your friendly neighborhood independent bookstore today. This is Benjamin Sledge author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. 
Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 226 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with actor and screenwriter Alexander Randazzo. One of the key scenes in the film that I found was Jackson's attempted suicide and intervention by his former drill instructor and their interaction afterwards. It's a powerful scene, and I feel it really started as a turning point for the character in the film. Talk about writing and acting in that scene. Yeah, so that scene, besides the military dialogue of talking about we, we prepare for war, you know, you come home, the war's not over, or the war's um, not over, it's just different. Besides those military lines, that was pretty much a word-for-word conversation that I had with a hockey coach of mine a few years ago about killing yourself committing suicide is just the pussy thing to do just pushes the pain onto other people because you're not strong enough to bear that weight yourself Um, and we're soldiers and we fight through that pain and he actually just recently saw the film and he did not even know that 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 scene or that i had quoted him in that because that those dialogue that dialogue when things were really tough for me personally, going through some very tough times after COVID hit and feeling like this project had come to an end before it even began, rang and echoed in my ears uh, quite a few times, keeping me from from making some really poor decisions. And so it was a way to honor him and what he said because it affected me. In preparing for that scene, that was the first time I actually met the um, Patrick Y. Malone, who played Sarge, and. He, because we shot the film in reverse, uh, and he's he's obviously very uh, prevalent in the boot camp scenes early on in the film, and then comes back later. So, we shot that scene one time between me and him with just raw emotion, and we just kind of looked at the director and we said, "All right, we're moving on." And so the preparation was really he and I having a having a, a shot of bourbon beforehand. And then shooting the scene once and just connecting, talking to men, finding our brokenness and finding healing in that conversation. And whatever that meant for him meant that for him. And for me, it meant really honoring and going back to when those words really needed to impact my life in a few years ago. Hmm. 
I think it's very important because I think a lot of soldiers, and especially for myself as a sailor, would love to have a conversation with our former boot camp instructors and tell them, you know, what you shaped us into, you know, what you've made us into has ramifications and and and, and consequences, you know, and a chance to actually confront them and show them, you know, what you've done to us. Or you know it, what you know a chance to actually discuss that with them. I think that scene really definitely held water. I, I absolutely agree. In fact, one of my father's uh, ranger instructors, they are they actually were able to have that conversation and are very good friends to this day. And that was another. That's where that idea partially came from. I was listening as I grew up those two um, at family dinners as they would talk because they, my father actually got to have that conversation with with uh, his his ranger instructor and and I, I couldn't agree more with you. Mm. How important was it for you to hammer home the point that soldiers have a higher risk of substance abuse problems when exposed to post-traumatic stress? How important was it um, to, to hammer away at that point? It it was very important because that's option one for them when they come home. For most of us, it, we try to find healing in in our families or in our jobs, and if we work harder or make a little more money. But it's not often that when we come back from something very difficult, the first option is here's medication, here's pills, it'll take the pain away, don't abuse them, but I'm going to give you a bunch of them. I'm going to give you a shit ton of them, but don't abuse them. And that's option one for a lot of these guys. That's that's the first instinct or the first phase of their return um, before they're able to get therapeutic help, before they're able to talk to people. That that's unfortunately, we still have our system set up for some of these men and women who come back that they're just fed these things, told not to cause problems. They're told not to beat their wives or kill themselves. And here's your pills and good luck. And so that that to me just seems like a, a breeding ground for for bad news. Yeah. There's a film that I that I show and I've recommended to so many other my veteran friends that was that showcases that so well. It was Thank You for Your Service mm. uh with Miles Teller. And uh, definitely hammers home that point as well. Very, very, very powerful film. I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have. I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Miles does a Miles does a fantastic job in that film, and and couldn't wait. I remember it's the trailer alone for Thank You for Your Service when I saw it for the first time years ago. I remember cry, like tearing up because of how powerful just the trailer was and and his performance was, and um, so it is a very powerful film. Yeah, hard to watch, very hard to watch. This film has had a run through movie theaters. What was the reception of the film like? Absolutely. Uh, we we have, were blessed to play in over 200 theaters worldwide uh, for the month of November um, stateside and then in December internationally. And the reception, I mean, is still extremely humbling and hard to really process. I believe we're at a 96% audience review on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And uh, our critics, our critic reviews are also not much lower than that. They also have been extremely positive. I believe they're 80 or 83% or something. Um, if I were to average them up across IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, et cetera. 
Um, so we we have received very, very positive reviews. And then there's been some in-person reviews. I did, I toured, I did a 13 city, 11 state uh, tour uh, in 14 days when the film first came out in theaters. And it it's, it's really quite something to have a bunch of people come up and shake your hand and tell you, well done, that's humbling enough, but nothing really prepares you for when a widow of a of a fallen soldier or husband who took his own life to PTSD, she comes up and shares that she wish her husband she wished that her husband had been able to see the film before he made that decision. I mean, that's those are really the the most impactful. Almost, I mean, it 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 it's leaving me speechless even right now. That and that didn't happen just once. That happened two or three times. Just that specific uh, scenario. So the reception has just been above and beyond what I could have ever even imagined. What do you want the legacy of Lonesome Soldier to be? Community. The the community, we we not only as as the community of our country, which is intention right now, uh, to say the least, or ha is holding a lot of tension right now. But our communities back home, when when our young men and women or our men and women deploy, our communities have to rally together. Like they, and that that is something that isn't really happening anymore. Um, that's something that people feel more and more isolated and alone. I don't really know why. I don't know if it's social media, the news, politics, but our communities back home have to be able to stay strong and unite together when our servicemen and women are deployed so that when our servicemen and women return home, they're returning home to the support they need and are able to get that support. Because it's not only just about the lonesome soldier, there are multiple different characters in this film that could be called the lonesome soldier from his wife that he leaves when he deploys and she's left back home alone caring for a, ba a, a newborn child or his mother who experiences some serious difficulties getting him the medical help he needs and feels alone. It, it really is the, the legacy of this film, I hope, is community and how we as communities need to continue to come together and heal and unite. Okay. When does Lonesome Soldier come to video on demand? Lonesome Soldier will be releasing on video on demand on all major platforms on Tuesday, February 6th. Um, so we're super excited. If you have Apple, Amazon, uh, Google Play, um, Microsoft Store, and uh, I believe those are the main, those are the big ones. Okay, great. I do want to ask you one question since I got you here. What is your favorite military film ever made? Ooh, that is a uh, lonesome soldier. No, just just kidding. Um, I do like your no. humbleness, sir. <laughs> um, Black Hawk. I grew up Black Hawk with Black Hawk Down being probably my favorite, and I think that's probably more tailored because it was my father's favorite and trusting his experience as a young 10, 11, 12 year old with him going this in his mind, this was the most realistic and authentic for him. So I think that carried over to me. I'm not sure if the movie, the rock counts with Ed Harris and Sean Connery. 
I would say that the character Ed Harris portrays in that film as the anti-hero taking over Alcatraz, but doing it for the purpose of getting his fallen his fallen comrades the recognition um, that they that they deserve. Uh, I think that also would be top of the list if we would consider a fictional military type film. Um, I definitely would pick that. Fair enough. All right. Pierre de Coubertin said the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. You get a chance to talk to your younger self. What would you say to him? To my younger self, I would say keep your head down and just keep moving forward. Learn from your mistakes a little faster than I did. And But at the end, if you keep working hard, if you trust those around you that love and support you and you take their advice, then... Anything and everything is possible and changing the world one person at a time, one film at a time is worth it. All right. So what's next for Alexander? Uh, right now we're working on a couple of different screenplays and scripts. We have a film that uh, we're, we're looking at shooting later this year uh, called See You Soon. It's a uh, it's a revenge it's a revenge thriller that I that I wrote and will be starring in as well. So that's that's next on the docket. And then we've got a couple other military movies that we are currently in the process of writing um, that we're excited to be working on under the military movies brand next as well, uh, hopefully uh, early next year. Okay. As we enter the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. Alexander, what do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax? Ooh, uh, I enjoy, I used to enjoy playing hockey more than anything. I can't anymore because of my ankles. So um, now is, I is love- it, Is it ice hockey or street hockey? Ice hockey. Ice hockey. I, okay. All right. Yes. Yes. I love playing, I love playing Settlers of Catan with my, with my brothers. We, okay. we have some very mean Settlers of Catan board games that usually ends in a wrestling match or a fist fight, <laughs> uh, all in good fun. And um, I've got three younger brothers and a younger sister. So we uh, we all get into it in, in you know, the, the friendly rough housing. And so that um, I definitely would say um, playing playing board games with the family is one of one of the funnest things to do. I also read a lot um, and uh, watch a lot of movies so we can okay. throw those in there as well. All right. What would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Absolutely. Alex28Dazzo is uh, my my Instagram handle. And then LonesomeSoldierTheFilm.com would be for, for the film. Those, those would be our two main sources of social media. Okay. Alexander, I ended my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? I would like to say bring it back to the community again. Um, community, we all are human. We all feel pain. We all go through times of isolation and loneliness. And it's not enough for us to have to pull ourselves out of it. We need those around us we love. Those can be family members. Those can be friends. Those can be just smiling at someone that, as you walk down the street. But just being a part of a bigger community, as we all are, the people of Earth, as you so awesomely worded it in your question, we all have to be a part of this community together in order to better the world. The film is Lonesome Soldier, dropping on video on demand February the 6th, 2024. Alexander, congratulations on all your success and all you're doing for the veteran community. Cheers for coming on the show today, man. You're 
I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks. So congratulations on you well. on coming on here, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Derek. And it's been an amazing pleasure. And I look forward to, to listening to a lot more of your podcasts. I've really yeah. enjoyed them. All right. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 226. I want to thank Alexander for coming on the show. Lonesome Soldier is a fantastic film. And I want to thank Alexander and his team for granting me a sneak peek prior to the interview. Thanks again, Alexander, for all you do for veterans and best of luck for your career. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. We drop our episodes on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for those episodes to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up today for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek DeVall Show is a great little store on there. And we have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. So please go to our website, DerekDeVallShow.com. Go to the banner of the left that merch. Click that and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek DeVall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, if you are a veteran listening to this interview and you are struggling with your mental health or with substance abuse, there is help available. The Veterans Crisis Hotline is available 24-7. Dial 988, then press 1 or text 838-255. If you are struggling with substance abuse, call 1-800-662-4357 and a caring counselor can be there to help you get the help you need. There is no shame in asking for help, I had to do it, and it saved my life. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.